Were you recording already or no? We're recording already. Oh. That's fine. I can always trim it. Sorry. But that's not lazy. It's <laughs> <laughs> not hi erica hi steven it has been uh almost uh a month four four weeks no i I I had to check today july it was two july 18th was our last episode that we did wow yeah and today is august 8th i don't Mm -hmm. know numbers very well so i don't know what that is we usually do these on weekends though Mm -hmm. you know um is it recording? Is that what you're it checking? Is, it, it is recording. It's We're just, sort of practice. It's, it's yeah. just blasting out. I feel like the gain might be up too high. Do you think so? Maybe. Maybe because I'm just right here, though. Maybe. Well, in past episodes, I've sat like way back here because mm-hmm. I I think I have a boomier voice. You have a boomy voice. Very loud. I project. That's all. Jeez. Is it loud? Look <laughs> yeah. at that. Yeah. Because I'm back here. Or because I was the last one to use a microphone. I have a little voice. You do have a little voice. I know sometimes when I record RFS, I have to remember to turn the gain down a little bit. I have to do that every time I record Verity. You have to turn it up. I double check. Yep. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I talk louder, I guess. But now I'm just talking. This is like my NPR. We're doing the NPR podcast yes. here at Doctor Who Podcast. Well, yeah. Welcome to Lazy Doctor Who. Welcome to Lazy Doctor Who. This is Erica and Steven. Yeah. The time is uh, time is 11.17 p.m. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, four episodes of... We're actually going to talk about the... the uh, journey that marco polo made across cathay in the <laughs> okay enough of that it's starting to creep me out a little bit uh we watched four episodes four episodes sort of, of a recon yeah of marco polo why did we watch all four tonight i me i have reasons but what are your reasons i want to hear yours first because it was exciting and i didn't want to stop oh, honestly God. it was just i don't know that one episode uh, i can't even remember which one it was it was one of the two that we talked about last time mm-hmm. uh i i kind of felt a little bit slow and i just was kind of like Bleh. Um, and not at all tonight everything was it was just it was humming along and I wanted to know there were so many twists and turns and good cliffhangers at the end and I wanted to know I mean I know a bit about Marco Polo from having heard about it on lots of podcasts and stuff over the years uh, but I didn't know exactly how it ended. I mean, I kind of had heard, you know, I knew that the doctor played, I thought it was checkers for some reason, but I guess it was backgammon, mm-hmm. trying to get the TARDIS back. I couldn't remember if he won or not. I didn't know any of the stuff about Tigana being, you know, a, a backstabber until I started watching this. I didn't know how that was going to play out. So I was honestly just excited to find out what happened. I wanted to know what was going to happen next. That is heartwarming to me because I have to admit, um, you this is your first recon you know there's seven episodes or no pictures move and i was wondering how you would deal with it <laughs> so i thought oh let's just you know i was hoping for one tonight mm-hmm. um and like honestly i thought perhaps I mean, we, we've been busy the past three weeks or something like that so that's why we haven't been recording um i've been very busy i've been working on a kickstarter video for uncanny magazine which you should check out if you're <laughs> that's true it's very <laughs> it's good it. mm-hmm. it's very is it on yet no it isn't uh, it will be it will be shortly after this goes up, but I don't know exactly what the date is, but it's coming soon. Yeah. Um, but I was, I have to admit, I was worried because, because uh, I wanted to watch one tonight, um, at least, just to sort of get us back into the groove of things. Mm-hmm. And then I realized that I didn't know what to say about episode four. So I thought, let's do another one at least, maybe. <laughs> and then you said, yeah. And then you wanted to just press on. And once you do mm-hmm. six, you can't stop there. You got to do episode seven. So right. we did. Mm-hmm. And I agree. It was, it was, uh, it was, it was a rollicking finish, wasn't it? Like the thing that's really hummed along. I mean, I was sort of reading along with the script and um, 
realizing, oh, wow, this is really, we're close to the end here. Like, I, it just did not feel like 25 minutes were going by. No, not at all. I mean, just based on the last time when we watched two episodes, I felt like the amount of time we spent watching two episodes last time <coughs> mm-hmm. was equivalent to the amount of time we spent watching four episodes this time. And I don't know if it's that the episodes were that different or that I was in a slightly different mood or or what it was, but it really went by so fast. I was very surprised. Mm-hmm. What uh, what parts did you like about the four episodes? Can you can you remember all the things that happened? Well, I can't separate them out into you know what happened in episode four versus five versus six versus seven because mm-hmm. my brain just does not work that way. That's right. Um, I was I. I very much enjoyed. I remember you mentioning uh, Susan and Pink Cho and how people have been shipping them for many, many years. Yep. I totally do now. At the time, I was just like, oh, whatever. People will ship anything, you know. But then we, but then it continued along, and I was like, holy cow, what a wonderful, beautiful relationship they yeah. have. It is just amazingly sweet and touching and even not being able to see them interact in person i mean maybe that helps maybe if i actually saw them if they had (laughs) if they had poor you know wooden chemistry and like not great uh body language and Mm -hmm. stuff it it would kill it a little bit but just hearing them and reading the words that they were saying to each other and then of course you know just the action of ping cho stealing the key to give it to susan so that she can go back to her home uh even knowing that that she ping cho will probably never get back home it was just I I just wanted to give her a little hug. <laughs> it really kind of broke my heart because it wasn't, at least at, at that time when she was making that gesture, it wasn't going to be a happy ending for Ping Cho, and she didn't care. She was willing to to not only sacrifice her future happiness, but, I mean, any future at all because she knew she was going to get busted for, for giving away that key. I don't think that there was any other hope for her. Mm-hmm. So it was, a, it was a grand and noble gesture, the kind of thing that you might expect from a teenager in love. I mean, whether or not she was... Right, yeah. That's a great thing about about no footage of this existing yet, Mm -hmm. um, is that there was one scene where they're in their quarters, I think, talking about things. I can't remember what the context of the conversation was, but the whole time thinking, you know what? We could there there could be some Photoshop madness of like you know lying in bed like in some mad embrace or something like mm-hmm. this while they're saying these words back and forth <laughs> to each other. No wonder they're being shipped because because we have to fill in so many of the gaps our, mm-hmm. ourselves anyway at this point when we listen to this, mm-hmm. and it's not hard. Yeah, and I mean, reg- regardless, if you know, I don't. I also don't want to make it sound like I'm downplaying the beauty of a really strong no. friendship between two girls, because that is another thing that that can be really wonderful. And you don't have to read an emotional, uh, romantic kind of overtures into that uh, in order to make it be such a beautiful story and such a wonderful sacrifice. Mm-hmm. I mean, friendship, especially friendship between two young girls, which is something that I have experienced myself. That is a very, very, very powerful thing as well. I suppose it would be. Not mm-hmm. for a good strapping boy like myself. We just played with toys and then ran away home. <laughs> That's the way it worked back then. Mm. Um, there are ever so many great scenes and moments in these four episodes. Um, I'm going to rattle some off that I remember them and see what you thought of them. I love the bit. I never noticed the parallel to this, but when I, I always get goosebumps when Ian resorts to telling Marco Polo <gasps> yes. where he comes from. And what the TARDIS is. And I love that bit. But what I got this time around 
is that it's an exact parallel of what Susan is telling Ian in the very first episode of what the TARDIS is. And that just shows how much Ian is on. And now he is just part of the crew because mm-hmm. he's explaining the TARDIS as a thing that travels around in time and space. And they're trying mm-hmm. to get home. I just thought it was a wonderful little parallel. What do you oh, think about yeah. that scene? I didn't pick up on the parallel, but I, I knew that, that that was going to happen at some point in the story, but I had forgotten about it, mm-hmm. um, again, because this is something that I had heard about, uh, and I had heard people speak, you know, kind of glowingly of it, and I it, it wasn't one of those things that was talked up too much, because it, it lived up to the hype and, and more. I, I also got goosebumps seeing him. It was, you say resort to, um, which is a good way of putting it, but also I think that by this time... There's been sort of a, a, if not friendship, at least a, a great deal of a great measure of respect between uh, Marco Polo and Ian mm-hmm. by this time. And I think that I see in Ian an urge to talk to to Marco and just be honest and come clean with him. Like this is a guy that he now trusts and respects and he just, he wants to tell him the truth, but it's so painful for him because he knows that Marco Polo is not going to believe him. And that's, that's a a painful thing as well. So this was, you know, it is almost a little bit of a sacrifice on Ian's part as well, because he's, he's giving him the truth, even though it's something that may not be wise, but he feels like he owes it to him, even though he knows he's not going to be believed. And then that's like a knife in his heart, you know, between these two friends. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it was, I really, really liked that me too and the great thing is that the very last scene of the episode mm-hmm. you know marco gives him the keys and they fly off and everything and then you know you just said that he you know he knows that he won't believe him but he has to do it but then you know the very last line mm-hmm. of the episode is where are they in the past or the future he does believe him <laughs> i just love that so much that he actually believes mm-hmm. him you know well he does now but i think maybe he believes him because they saw the tardis disappear in front of their I eyes i know but you mm-hmm. know the it wasn't like some magic or something like that you know mm-hmm. um I know. I think it was it was magical. There's so many. I mean, you. I, I sometimes think that this, you know, because of its lost status, um, that it's I, it sometimes takes up on this sort of mythical um, status in the Doctor Who world. And I think mm-hmm. maybe sometimes people would like overpraise it or something. But every time I watch it, I go, no, it's it's mm-hmm. and it's so unique because it's like it takes place over what two months maybe like it's a story yeah. that takes place over so long a, a time um and it's just so unique in that it's just like i think i said this before it's like a road trip it's like a doctor mm-hmm. who road trip movie where stuff happens but then it's all interconnected and, and pays off in the end yep yeah i guess i hadn't really thought about how much time in story they are taking in in order to do all of these things which i think is kind of another notch in the belt of team building (laughs) you know bonding between our TARDIS crew here they are they're becoming closer and more of a a tightly knit unit and and I think that that's pretty cool they didn't squabble in this you know well except for the doctor a little bit but I mean he he sometimes you know Mm -hmm. there's a there's a uh, grandfatherly relationship between him and Susan obviously so when Susan steps out of line you know she's he's there because that's the way you rear Mm -hmm. children back in them their days it was the part that got me was not you know Susan stepping out of line it was just the doctor's refusal to believe her Mm -hmm. which really like oh that got me back up so much you know she said that the eyes moved and he's like oh you know rubbish rubbish that Mm -hmm. didn't happen and Ian is actually the one that comes in and believes her and says, oh, you know, where did you think you saw this? Which face? And and then he he proves it right. And then I can't remember what the other thing was, but there was something a little bit later that Susan 
uh, tells him, oh, I think Susan, it's when Susan says to, you know, grandfather Ping Cho would never have told where those keys were hidden. Mm-hmm. I know it for sure. And the doctor immediately is just like, oh, you know, I can't remember exactly what he says, but it boils down to you stupid, trustful child, even though she's right again. Mm-hmm. So it's, it, it's, I don't know, more of the doctor being kind of an unlikable fogey. Well, and that, and I think just sort of treating you know, the child is sort of being the irresponsible, you know, as I think Sidney Newman's original character description, you know, gets into trouble, that sort of thing. She's mm-hmm. basically there to get into trouble and, and not be believed, and the adults have to sort of come along and say, this is in the yeah. 1960s. I know, This I is know. a thing. That Do doesn't you- mean I have to like it. Well, no, but you mm-hmm. just have to understand the context of the time right. that it was created in, you know, like all the, uh, <laughs> I mean, some of the the telestaffs that we see of some of the... Oh, um, boy. Well, it's funny, you know, I was looking at uh, this, this time I was looking at the, um, these past four episodes, I, I was watching, reading along with not the script online, like basically the transcript of the finished version. But Which is the, what I was yeah, reading. Yeah, you were doing that. I was doing that for the first few episodes. These ones I was actually following along with the camera scripts. Which are different because they all they have like you know the different sh- shots, so you can sort of get an indication of what you know camera shots would be for each each line. Um, but also, you can see um, how much changes from the time they actually do up the camera scripts, which I think is done earlier in the week, or else maybe it's done like on that day because you know all like the, the camera moves are on there, like you know can like there's different like you know camera one goes to A at the beginning of this recording break and everything like that. But the dialogue was fascinating because sometimes the general gist of it was there, but um but the words are sort of moved around a little bit. So, and you know, more some actors did it more than others. The guy who played the um the vizier mm-hmm. um Kubla Khan's right hand man was you know no perfect I think on his stuff oh, and, wow. and like you know but other stuff was so it was interesting but anyway what I was getting to is that uh, that listed all the credits of everyone from extras from everyone not wow. just people that appear on screen and most of the people in the background and I think the one who played the old man in episode six who had about three or four lines of dialogue mm-hmm. yeah. I think he was actually of Asian descent yeah I thought so from the picture yeah I think and so and all, his voice yeah, yeah a lot of them were actually of Asian descent but the main ones who acted were mm-hmm. white guys painted up as okay. was the style at the time mm-hmm. but I just find it odd that perhaps you know they went they didn't trust um yeah you know or maybe you know i it's i don't know what what the acting pool was like in in the uk in the early 60s or stuff mm-hmm. to you know because to ghana is a major character and he's played by a white guy made up and yep. Khan as well you know and mm-hmm. it's a shame it is a shame that's a, that's another that is another sign of the mm-hmm. times yep yeah Again, don't have to like it, no. but I do recognize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there we are, Marco Polo. What do you think about um, uh, the little bit of comedy scenes there with Kubla Khan with his gout sort of uh, <laughs> was hobbling actually- on an ouching, and then the doctor with his arthritic mm-hmm. back sort of doing the <laughs> same thing? It was it was verging. That was actually another thing that was kind of verging on almost uncomfortable for me. It was it was funny and it was kind of cute, right. but but sometimes I get a little, and maybe this is just because I am aging and getting closer to that point <laughs> myself, but I do get a little bit annoyed with, oh, look at the cute old people. Isn't right. that adorable? Um, so at least Kublai Khan is the, the leader of, you know, this great uh, nation or empire. empire. Yes, thank you. And the doctor is, as we know, is actually a very... Uh, 
powerful person in his own right, very mm-hmm. smart, and has this you know crazy contraption that travels through time and space and stuff. Uh, so so it wasn't entirely you know that they were being. I don't know, cast in a ridiculous light. But but there was enough of that to make me kind of go, oh, here we here we go again, you know, taking a stereotype right. and playing it up for comic effect. But it was it was kind of cutely done and it was nice to see the doctor interacting with somebody in a way that didn't make me upset. Mm-hmm. So I, I appreciated seeing him interacting with somebody who's kind of on the same kind of on the same level and and it, somebody who's experiencing some of the the same things. Although when the doctor was, you know, trying to get down and kowtow and and his back <laughs> is is ailing him so much because he's so old, I'm thinking this is the youngest we ever see the doctor. I this know. is so funny. It's just it it's kind of a, just an interesting interesting little look into an unintended look into the uh, the weird physiology of a time lord and and how how regenerations work. Of course, that was not even a glimmer in anybody's eye at this point. It's yeah. a complete retconning and looking back with hindsight being 2020 <laughs> yeah like when tigana says how oh, you had to kill the uh, the old magician oh with a stake through the heart and my nerve voice ah, excuse me i think you mean the stake through the hearts because time lords have two of them ah. but tiana would never have known that he just thought he was a, a magician mm-hmm. one thing i did not like was okay. uh susan's screechy screaming <laughs> that we heard so many times oh my okay you know uh, sometimes on verity uh somebody will say oh you know it's it's such a stereotype that the mm. uh that the companion is just you know just there to scream and and uh and that it happens you know it doesn't happen as much as people think well you know what in this story it did yep. <laughs> it happened it happened too much it was uh, you know it only takes a couple to really really just turn me off so. well ping cho was getting in on the act too she did ping Cho's was much uh shorter and less uh grating right and we didn't uh, so hear it, it on the reprise either so it didn't uh it didn't bother me as much mm-hmm. um it's ping shows actually struck me as the kind of scream that you would hear from somebody who is seeing something you know scary happen and, and being surprised by it whereas susan struck me as you know the director saying scream give us a bit of a <laughs> yeah exactly on. yep like i just i don't know i that was uh did, did not like sorry that's okay but i mean i, I actually i liked i liked susan throughout mm-hmm. mo- most, most of this um she she didn't have a ton to do. You know, actually, and Barbara had very... I was just going to mention, Barbara is a very minimal role for Barbara throughout these seven episodes, mm-hmm. you know? She sticks up for, for Ian yeah. and says, you know, you haven't given enough time, you shouldn't underestimate him, that sort of thing, which is which is nice. But but yeah, later this later point in the story, after she, after she almost gets killed, she's kind of subdued, which, you know what, I have yeah. to say, thinking about it, that's not necessarily a an unrealistic thing. I think after, after that near-death experience... You gotta think that she would be just completely rocked back. I mean, um, she falls. I assume she falls into Ian's arms. That's what it sounds like mm-hmm. uh, after after she's rescued and talking about how the guys played dice over who would get to kill her. That's dark stuff, that man. Is super dark. So yeah. So the fact that she was just all you know breathless and flailing and stuff at the end of that scene. Yeah, of course she should be. So that that one I have absolutely no trouble with. And I mm-hmm. think that that you know maybe maybe she wasn't quite so. Um, you know, jumping to the fore and coming up with ideas and stuff because she has now looked death in the face in a in a much more personal way than with the Daleks. Like, yeah, Daleks are scary. That's a scary monster kind of mm-hmm. coming at you. But this is another human being, something and somebody that you can can understand up close and personal with a knife at your throat. Just, I can't even imagine that. No. This, there was there was some other darkness too. Tigana killing himself at the end. I know. 
wow, this is a kid's show. This is a kid's show. <laughs> nice job, 1964. How, how are you going to kill the doctor with a stake through the heart, you know? Mm-hmm. Like this, <laughs> yep. Ooh, good stuff. Isn't it, though? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it makes you happy. Yeah. I'm so happy you enjoyed your first recon. I really, I really did. I... I wasn't able, I didn't look at the pictures quite as much this time. I was uh-huh. really just following along with the script. Every once in a while, I could kind of see out of the corner of my eye that the picture had changed. And they, they recycled the same picture, pictures again Attempt. and again. To, you know, yeah. you know. The, I saw the same shot of Ian over the course of <laughs> Stephen's doing an impression of it. Like face, yep. Putting his lips together and kind of a weird Go on. Like, smile. Hmm. Yeah, it, he does. Ian it does. Like, hmm. hmm. Yep. And I that picture we saw over... Maybe all four yeah. of the episodes. Because I think in the episode, a lot of the episodes, you know, Ian tries to convince Marco. Marco doesn't believe him. Ian goes, hmm. hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It was perfect. Uh, so because of that, I didn't feel like I needed to watch the pictures all that much. And I've got a touch of the vertigo going on today. So moving uh, <laughs> back and forth, moving ahead up and down, not such a not such a good thing. No. And I found that that really the pictures, they're not that helpful for me at all especially during the yeah i know this uh i've said this before but um this recon didn't have the little scrolling action on the bottom mm-hmm. of the screen yeah and they just sort of had zoom ins to pictures and stuff to sort mm-hmm. of indicate what you think was going on so other recons are different i don't know what the one is for the next one it's a while away from the next missing episode you'll that's, be happy to know that's exciting yeah we have seven down only 90 more to go <laughs> some of which are animated on the dvd so that's that helps true. too mm-hmm so look at that. You're like, you are over 10% of the way through the missing episodes. Wow. Yeah. I guess I hadn't thought of that. That's a big thing. And I do want to say that I, I'm not saying that this was a badly done recon. No, I no, mean, no. Of course, I don't have anything to compare it to, but the, whoever took the time and effort to put these pictures together and put all those zooms and stuff, like, yeah. you know, bravo. Like yeah, that, absolutely. That was definitely a lot of work. Uh, but just the way that my brain works, I... I am much more dialogue-centered, I think, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to that sort of thing. I don't necessarily need... I'm, I'm used to listening to Big Finish audios and stuff now that I've kind of gotten into that. So, mm-hmm. And the, the one story that I listened to, uh, the Highlanders, on um, the audio with the linking narration, that that sort of seems to fit the way my brain consumes things a little bit better. So, right. so it's, it's nice to have a picture here and there to kind of you know figure out who is standing where in relationship to somebody else or mm-hmm. figure out kind of what the sets look like a little bit. So I'm, I am glad to have that, but so I'm kind of excited to, whenever that happens, get all the way to the Highlanders and have some pictures to put in with the, uh, with the, what I've, have already heard in my head. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not as down on uh, recons as I thought I was going to be, especially with the script in front of me. So that's, that's a, a big, important part. It's progress. I'm telling you. Mm-hmm. Awesome. But hey, uh, next episode, next next week, maybe it'll be a week. Who knows? Maybe it'll be tomorrow. Yeah. No promises. <laughs> the pictures will move. <laughs> oh, that's right. What is what is coming up next? The Keys of Maris. <gasps> I'm so excited. <laughs> why Why are you excited for Keys of Maris? Uh, because, well, my favorite season of Doctor Who is season 16, where at the key to time, when yeah. they're uh, collecting the pieces of the key to time. And I know not very much about the Keys of Maris, mm-hmm. but I know that it's the Doctor and his companions trying to collect keys. They're on a quest that, you know, goes over the course of X number of episodes. And this is one that I know that my mom remembered liking. And she had actually, she had actually taped this one, but um, 
I don't know if part of it got taped over and some of it was on one videotape that got lost or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so she didn't even remember what the name of it was. <laughs> Your own personal missing episodes. All yeah. Right, yeah. So she, but the uh, the videotape label I remember just had like written in pencil, uh, you know, William Hartnell collecting those keys. Like that's what it said. <laughs> <laughs> Which incidentally was the title of the novelization. Uh, <laughs> shush, shush, was not William Hartnell um, collecting those keys. <laughs> but she liked it. She liked it enough to record that one, and that's uh, one of the you know I think the only three William Hartnell right. ones. So um, did you see it then, or? I think I watched. I probably watched one part of it, maybe two, but uh-huh. I. I may have just skipped it because we didn't have the whole thing. And oh. I didn't have we didn't have the novelization at that time either for me to fill in the blank. So I don't know. It'll be interesting to see if anything looks familiar. I'm intrigued. You know who wrote the novelization of that one? Ian Martyr. Philip Hinchcliffe wrote that. What? Yep. On the cover of it, there's a great artist <laughs> flying over some nondescript planet. It's uh, well, that's a, that one. That's a target cover for you. It's target cover. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, looking forward to that then. Awesome. I like this. I like it when we watch Doctor Who and then we mm-hmm. get back on the thing because I just want to go back in there and back in there being the living room um, and <laughs> watch the Keys of Marinus now. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to, are we? Yeah, <laughs> the look on your face is adorable. Like, can we? Kind of want to, but. I don't know. Well, it's it's almost midnight. We'll see. Maybe if I have another glass of wine, we'll think about it. No promises. I'm lazy. I want to. I want to keep to the remit of this podcast. That's true. We are four episodes in one night. I mean, at this rate, we're going to mm-hmm. be done by like you know November. So, yeah, that's not going <laughs> to be done by November of 2019 or something like that. But mm-hmm. well, that's it for this one at least, though, right? Yes, I think I'm trying to think. Is there anything else? Yeah. It's weird I, since I don't take notes. You know, I'm trying to. No. I'm, I'm. I want to experience these Doctor Who stories as they're supposed to be, so I don't write things down. Which means that sometimes I feel like there are probably things that I meant to say that that I don't remember. Well, this is why we record this immediately after. So that's it's true. Short term memory, and this is why episodes only last about 20 minutes, and that's why we haven't been talking about Marco Polo for the last five minutes because it's like five minutes into the 25 mm-hmm. minutes into. The I know, but we watched. We talked. What was it? 20 four. minutes last time over just two, two episodes and we watched four this time that's true mm-hmm. all right okay let's make sure we let's do the the, the roll right. call and make sure we covered it yeah we talked about the doctor doctor um yep that he was kind of bothering me at first but at the end i uh-huh. i appreciated his his interactions with uh kubla khan, with kubla khan. Mm-hmm. uh ian Yan. yes uh barbara he, did nothing susan mm, yep ping cho marco believing in Marco Polo he's kind of a dish like some of those <laughs> some of those pictures uhhuh some of those still pictures <laughs> I was wondering where, where you're going with that Marco Polo is kind of a di- <laughs> dish okay sh sh okay yeah um uh yeah well, he's kind of a dick from time to time too right. but um but yeah some of those pictures I think in in these ones were handsome leading man yeah main guest star yep yeah yep. as I said as we said before told through his eyes you know mm-hmm. with the journal which I think the they were less frequent in these episodes. I think the little journal yeah and shorter they did on film yeah yep which worked as great little bridging segments uh, in the script. Mm-hmm. They're all on film telecine as we mentioned in the last mm-hmm. episode and uh, and they were used as bridging sequences uh, in between as people moved across the different sets. Mm. I knew that from reading the script. Ah, the camera script. Okay. Camera script. Yeah. I did kind of wonder just a little bit at Marco Polo's motivations. I feel like. If he has been this successful for this long that he is that high in Kublai Khan's, you know, esteem, right. he's been operating in in this realm 
the sphere for a long time. I feel like he would have to be a little bit more cutthroat than he actually is when it comes to our heroes. He seemed very nice. It's yeah, it, it, he was he was a little bit too much of a softy, which I realized, you know, just kind of needed to be there in order to keep our main characters mm-hmm. alive. So it, it just seemed like, you know, he was he was nice because the script required him to be nice. Uh, but but not, it wasn't so much that it ruined it for me mm-hmm. or anything, but it was just like I kind of I don't know. It, it, he seemed like too much of a softie to have gotten where he is in the world. I've been meaning to watch the Netflix version that's recent. Mm. They recently came out last year. Ooh, like does that. the Doctor and uh, and Susan and Barbara and Ian appear in that? I think they do in episode three <laughs> or four, actually. Yeah, so I'm intrigued to watch how they enter because obviously it's a his, this is a pure historical, the first pure historical mm-hmm. in Doctor Who history. Oh, certainly. So therefore, if it's a historical, mm-hmm. everything is canonical. Therefore, the Doctor and the TARDIS and the crew. They um, were there. Yeah. That's another thing, actually, bringing up that, about looking at the script and reading along with it and how... Um, throughout the whole script, it was the referring to TARDIS is not the definitive article, as in mm-hmm. let's go back to TARDIS, we need TARDIS, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And how Ian and Barbara and Susan would say the TARDIS, the TARDIS, or something mm-hmm. like that. The Doctor would say the ship. The- Mar- Marco Polo and a couple others stuck right to the script and called it TARDIS. Well, the Doctor said TARDIS a few times. He did it in the early episodes, I think. And yeah. then later there was at least one time where he said the TARDIS. Yeah. So he was going back and forth. Mm-hmm. I mean, William Hartnell was not sticking real yeah. script. He uses <laughs> it above the ship. He, he t- calls it the ship a lot of the time. Most of the time, yeah. yeah. But Marco Polo, I mean, Mark Eden, as Marco Polo would often just call it TARDIS because that's what's mm-hmm. in the script. They didn't know what to call it back then. I love that. That's interesting. Yeah. I know. It actually made me think of the Doctor Who movie with Peter Cushing, which came. Oh yes, which came a little bit later, mm-hmm. where they just refer to it as TARDIS. Yes, this is TARDIS, and I am Doctor Who. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was that was another thing I meant to mention. Good job. What's Thank that? you for reminding me. The TARDIS, the oh. TARDIS, the definitive article. Non. Yep. This is what happens when we watch four episodes in one night. But we wanted to watch it. It was good. It's good stuff to watch. Yeah. Right? yeah. That's. But that's a good sign. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. We like Doctor Who. We put, or you put, I shouldn't say we, because you do all the work on that back end there. Mm-hmm. You put all the links um, to the YouTube recons. Not, I don't think they're the same ones that we watched, but there are recons on YouTube oh, really? that are are linked in the show notes mm-hmm. at LazyDoctorWho.com. And I also put a link to the script um, that I yes, am reading. That's right. Perfect. So those of you at home... Assuming everyone sits in their comfy chairs and listens to this at home, uh, can watch um, recons and enjoy mm-hmm. missing episodes and do your best to get through them and enjoy them because there's a lot of great missing stuff out there that we've ignored because we can't see it. So we have to sort of fill in the gaps ourselves. Mm-hmm. Totally worth your while. Certainly for this one. And we'll see about the next ones. Mm-hmm. Oh, boy. We Like I said before, we get spoiled for these first two seasons. Mm-hmm. We get so spoiled. Wasn't it Paul Cornell was saying something about how usually people give up on the uh, the Great Pilgrimage at a certain point? I don't remember. They do, and I'll mention that when we come to it. Okay. And we'll see how we do. Well, it's not like you and I are going to give up on no. it. You've seen all of these before, I and know. I've always wanted to see them. So, And I've always thought that was an overrated, I mean, an overrated... Um, giving up point because mm-hmm. i like the story that they're talking about but then again i like most of doctor who anyway so yeah you're mm. pretty forgiving about it it's mm. one of the things i like about you oh mm-hmm. i like you too oh <laughs> jeez. we should probably stop there before we <laughs> get too gross. schmoopy all right bye-bye <laughs> bye-bye <laughs>